0: Thanks for tuning in to the Harvest Springs Weekly Podcast. Every week we'll provide you with the weekend message from our Sunday service. Well, good morning, Harvest Spring family. It's So good to see each and every one of you here this morning. So some of you know me and some of you might not. My name is Joe. I'm the Native American Outreach Pastor here at Harvest Springs. I'm also an enrolled member of the A'ani tribe out of Fort Belknap Indian Reservation. So this morning I'd like to greet you with a few words in my native language. And it goes something like this. And what that says is simply, hello my friends, how are you doing this morning? So I hope you guys are doing great this morning. I am doing well, it's so good to see each and every one of you here. And um, I think, uh, I hope that you guys are doing well this morning. Uh, I once heard that a great message is done by having a great beginning, a great middle, or no, a great ending in bringing those two together as close together as possible. So my hope is to get you guys out of here by about 2 p.m. today, but I cannot guarantee that. But all jokes aside, I think we have a really good topic, a great passage of Scripture, and a great hope in our resurrected Lord. And any time that we can get together and dig into the Word of God is a great day in my book. Amen? But before we get started, let's say a quick word of prayer, and then we'll jump into the message this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you that you are a good God you um, love us and give us a a word, Lord God, from your word that we can put into our hearts and just help transform the lives of those around us and our communities. I pray that you would just help us do that, help us to worship you this morning, that you are pleased with what we say this morning, and we give you praise and glory and honor in it. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. All right, so this summer we are going over a series called Church in the Hood, and we've just been discussing what it looks like to go out into our neighborhoods and our communities and just uh, spread the love and hope of Christ to those around us. And today I'd like to um, look at what that looks like in Indian country, as well as what that looks like in your neighborhood, and then how we can make an impact in the lives of our Native American brothers and sisters right in our own backyard. Because I truly believe that when we as the church began to reach out with a love and hope of Christ, especially those that are in need, the impact in their lives will have lasting and eternal blessings for those individuals. Amen? In addition, I believe that there will be positive residual effects to the communities that we reach out to as the rest of the world takes notice of our love for others. But how do we make an impact to those around us? How do we even go about helping meet the needs of people within our community? Or more specifically, how do we meet the needs of those in Indian country and in a people group, in a culture that is so different than many of us here today? Well, today I'm going to try to answer that question and a few more as we strive to help people take their next steps towards Christ. So the title of my sermon this morning is Good Works, Healthy Faith, Transform Lives. So today I'd like to take a deep dive into what it takes to produce a healthy faith in Christ, as well as helping transform lives in the process. So James, the brother of Jesus, has given us some great and practical advice on how we can do just that. So if you have your Bibles with me, turn to James two seventeen through 26, and let's read this together. It says this in verse 17. In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way was not even Rahab, the prostitute, considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. And here's the key verse in this whole passage, and it's verse 26, and it says this, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Now let's turn our Bibles to 1 John 3, 16 through 18, and let's read that together. Verse 16 says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love in words, or in speech, but with actions and in truth. So how do we produce a healthy faith in ourselves while helping to transform the neighborhoods and communities right around us? Well, I think both John and James give us a straightforward answer. We grab our faith, we grab our love for others, we grab our love for God, and we get out and put our faith into action in our communities. We don't just tell others how they should love or live we go out and show them. We get out where the rubber meets the road and we just do it. So there are a million different ways that we can reach out with the love and hope of Christ. And in a minute, I'm gonna break it down with three simple questions or points that get to the heart of the matter of what we can and should be doing. So the outreach that I do here at Harvest Springs is called Strong Life Outreach. And one of the main premises and visions for that outreach is found in the verse that we just read in James 2 specifically James 2, 14 through 17. And there are three main questions that I ask as it pertains to my ministry outreach, are three ways that we can help address the needs um, of those in our communities. And those three questions are this. Question number one is, what are the problems people are facing in my community? What struggles are most prominent in my neighborhood? Question number two, who are the people in my community? What are their values? What are their traditions, their customs, their backgrounds, their beliefs? And number three, what do I give the people in my community? What works or deeds can I do for them? And I'd like to go over each one of these questions as it pertains to the Native American community and also as it pertains to your own community. But first, we need to address the question of why we do what we do. Why should we do the work? If we are saved by faith alone, isn't faith enough? And the truth is, is we are saved by faith. But James and John take it one step further, and they show that faith and deeds do indeed work together. They work in tandem. So let's look once again at 1 John 3.16, and it says this. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, for each one of us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And another verse that's tied in with this one is found in John 13, 34, and it says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. So we love and work because he first loved us and because he asks us to love others as he loves us. Amen? Our faith in Christ and his love and sacrifice compel us to do the good work. Now let's take a quick look at James 2:21 through 22 and see what it says about faith and works. Verse 21 says, when "Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar?" You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. So we see in this passage that Abraham's faith was acted out and proven by his works. By his works, Abraham's faith was made complete and made perfect. In essence, he worked out his faith with actions. So it's the same with each one of us. In James 2.24, it says, You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. And even though we are not saved by works, but through works and deeds, our faith is made complete and made perfect. You simply can't have one without the other. Because what do we know about faith without works? Faith without works is dead. So that is why we do the work. We do the work because Christ asks us to do the work and because the work completes our faith. It perfects our faith. So now that we've answered the question of why we do the work, we must now address the question of how we do the work and where we do the work. So this brings me to the three points that I I, um, or questions that I addressed earlier that we need to address about our neighborhood and our communities. And point number one is, what are the problems people are facing in my community? So in my outreach, I'm looking for the needs of those in Indian country and the problems that they're facing in their lives. And I have somewhat of a unique perspective on this because I did grow up on the reservation and I lived there through my high school and my college years and During that time, I saw many broken lives and broken families due to substance abuse, lack of jobs, or lack of health. And I witnessed people go through a lot of heartache and a lot of pain. And some of that was the cause of their own decisions and the decisions they made in their lives, but some of it was just the cause of the harsh reality of life on the reservation. And I have a few stats to share with you guys today about the reality of life in Indian country. And even though these stats are hard to fathom, they don't paint a complete picture of life in Indian country. You see, there are many beautiful people and places and customs and cultures there in Indian country. But there are also issues that we can help with and that we need to identify. So that's the first question, what is the problem? So many different independent studies have been done in Indian country about many different topics. But today I broke my study down into four key areas of need, including housing, finances, physical health, and mental health. So when we take a look at the housing um, issues on Indian country, we see that the U.S. Department of Health and Urban Development determined that close to 543,000 Native American households have, quote, severe housing needs defined as living conditions that are overcrowded, substandard, or cost burdensome. The lack of housing and infrastructure in Indian country is severe and widespread. The Gallup Independent concluded that living conditions for many on the reservation is, quote, comparable to third world countries. 30% of Indian households are overcrowded and it's not uncommon to have two, three, and even four generations living in a very tiny house that is very inadequate for that many people. As a matter of fact, I've witnessed this on many occasions. One of the grandmas that we reached out to several times on the reservation, she is currently raising eight of her grandchildren in a two bedroom home, a very tiny little home. So we see that housing is an issue. Indian country. When looking at finances and jobs on the reservation, the outlook doesn't improve much. The scarcity of jobs and lack of economic opportunity has created a situation where an average of 5.5 out of 10 individuals on the reservation are unemployed. And among those that are employed, many of their wages keep them below the poverty line. The overall percentage of Native Americans living on the reservation that are below the poverty line is 38% for a low and 63% for a high, depending on where you are in the country. That according to the National Center for Education Statistics. But when breaking down the health health issues facing Native Americans, we see a similar story. The average life expectancy for a Native American individual is nearly five years less than the national average. And they are 177% more likely to die from diabetes. And due to a lack between heart disease, diabetes, poor health, poverty, and a lack of quality nutrition, 35% of natives with heart disease will die by the age of 65. That according to the Office of Minority Health. And the last issue that we're gonna look at today is mental health. When looking at the mental health um, issues in Indian country, we see that native and indigenous people in America report uh, experiencing serious psychological distress that is two and a half times more than the general population. But the prevailing mental health issue on the reservation is suicide. There's a high rate of suicide on the reservation and when looking at the stats, we see that suicide is the second leading cause of death among native youth ages 10 to 24. And the native suicide rate is 2.5 times higher than the national average, making this the highest rate among all ethnic and racial groups in this country. That according to the National Indian Council on Aging. So these are the foremost issues facing Indian country today. And they are many and they can be overwhelming. But what do we know about our God? Well, I think Luke 137 sums it up very well when it says this, for nothing will be impossible with God. Amen? So you can't do the work without God. And when you do the work with God, when you do it in his power and in his strength, anything is possible. So as you look around at your own neighborhoods, your own communities, you can begin to do your own research and find out what the greatest needs are of the people that are right around you. What are your friends and neighbors and coworkers and family members going through right now that you can help with? Real quick, I'd like to relay a story about a young Native American gal. Um, she lives at Fort Peck, and um, her name is Winter, and I know her. She's been to my house a couple of times. Wonderful young lady and this, this happened about three or four years ago, and at the time she was probably eight or nine years old. And she has two other bro- older brothers, and they weren't much older. They were maybe 10 and 11 years old, and every one of them have a different father. And um, their mother that was raising them is heavily into drugs and on meth really bad. And one day she told her kids to lock themselves in their room or in their, um, their house, and she was going to go on a short little trip. And the problem with that was they had no electricity, and their plumbing was spotty at best and they had very little food in the house, most of it went to drugs. And um, one day turned into two, two days turned into three, three into four, and about a week later, the kids were still there all alone, scared. And the problem was during that time, their plumbing did go out, and they started to have to go to the bathroom just wherever they could, because they were scared to go out, and they were just very frightened. And about a week later, the cops found out about this, and they broke down the door, and they found the kids very malnourished and basically living in their own feces. And every one of the problems that we discussed earlier was evident in this situation. And after seeing some of these things, and my sister told me this story, um, and after hearing stories like this, my emotion goes to anger, but it also goes to compassion. And one phrase that keeps coming to to my mind when I hear stories like this, and it's something that still drives me to this day, and it's this one phrase, not on my watch. I simply determined in my mind that I would do as much as I could, as long as I could to bring the hope, help, love, peace, and joy and strength of Christ to those in need like Winter and her brothers. And it's my hope that you guys will all catch the vision to be the hands and feet of Christ to those in need. We read earlier in 1 John 3.17 that if we have the means to help, we must help. Amen. All right, so we've defined the problem and now we find out who the people are in our communities. So who are the people in my community? So in my instance, they're the Native American families with their own traditions and customs and cultures, their own way of doing things. For instance, um, the honoring of elders, the honoring of traditions and a strong sense of community are very important to those in Indian country. So when I think of ways to reach out and do the work, I need to be aware of what's most important to them so that I could be most effective in helping them be successful in their lives, both spiritually and physically. And really the most effective way that we do this is to simply be a friend, to be available, to go where they are, to listen and to lend a helping hand. So think about the people in your own communities. What drives them? What interests them? Are there traditions and customs that they follow? Look around and find these things out and then think of ways to impact their lives within that framework. And as I said before, how do you really get to know the people around you? Well, you talk to them, right? You reach out to them, you say hi, you befriend them. A simple wave across the street or a knock on the door, handing cookies to your neighbors will go a long way in establishing long lasting relationships with those around you. So one last question that we need to address today is this, what do I give my community? what will work best, what will be the most effective for the kingdom of God? And it's not a question of if I should give or should I give, it's a question of what do I give? Because each and every one of us have something to give. We all have gifts and abilities and resources and finances that God has blessed us with that we can use for God's kingdom. So in my outreach, because I am Native American and I know the landscape, I combine that knowledge with understanding and certain abilities and passions to help impact Indian country for God. But the way I do it and the way that you do it in your neighbor are going to look very different because God made each of us different in our abilities and in our finances, in everything that we have, our gifts. But we all play a part in his story. So now that we've answered all those questions, we need to put it all together. So we've defined the need. We've gotten to know the people in our community and we determine a plan of action to help transform our communities. But you may ask, why go through all this trouble of figuring out these questions before we do the work? Well, I have a quick little story, I think that will illustrate this point well. So there was this pastor and he went to this elderly lady's home that was part of his congregation. And he went to pray with her and just check on her and chat with her. And um, he got there and as he sat down, he noticed a bowl of peanuts on the table next to him. And so he asked the lady, he's like, I love peanuts. Um, Can I have a few? And this young, this older lady was like, yeah, sure, have as many as you want. And they chatted for a while and he prayed with her and started to get up and he looked down and he noticed that he ate almost all the peanuts in that bowl. And so he's like, oh, ma'am, I feel so bad. I only meant to have a few. I just wanted a few, but I almost ate all of them. And she looked back at him and she smiled and she said, oh, that's fine. Ever since I lost my teeth, all I can do is suck the chocolate off the peanuts. So why do we ask the question, why do we figure out our surroundings first? Because we don't wanna be in a situation like this pastor, right? He jumped into the action before he found out the truth about his surroundings. And that might not be the best analogy, but it does get the point um, home, I think. So with Strong Life Outreach, we determined um, a plan of action and we have done multiple outreaches that help address some of those issues that we talked about earlier. We've gone into individual homes and we've done maintenance work to help with some of the housing issues. And we've given out food and clothing and and, um, supplies to those that were in need because of poverty issues. We've done basketball camps and we continue to do those. BBSs and barbecues and things of that nature to just help with uh, the mental issues that are there. And we've done many, many different things. We've gone into homes, done Bible studies. And we determined early on that by meeting the needs of the people first, We'd be able to establish true and lasting relationships along the way and that has been the case we've been able to pray and speak into the lives of many different individuals using that approach so when you put it all together in your own community what does it look like what passions abilities and resources can you bring to the table that will have the greatest impact for transformation and when you figure that out not only will your community be transformed but your faith will be transformed as well, just like we read in James 2. You see, God is calling each of us to do something greater than ourselves, greater than our own abilities, greater than our own ideas, greater than our own resources, but it's got to start somewhere. A very small act of kindness can go a long way in establishing an influence in blessing those around us. And I hope I didn't make it more complicated than it is because it is very simple and it is very straightforward. I have a quick story that proves that point. So this story is about a young man named Johnny with Down syndrome. And he worked at a grocery store as a bagger. And one day, the manager of the store decided to um, bring a marketing expert in because he wanted to improve the customer shopping experience for the customers. And one of the things that this uh, marketing expert said was, try to make um, the shopping experience memorable for those that come in. So Johnny thought about this and he went home that night and he's like, you know what? I don't have any special ability. I don't know what I can do to help these people have a great experience. But he said, one thing I can do, I can love people. I love people, I can talk to them. So he decided to come up with an encouraging word for the day and he would print it out, cut it out and put one in every bag that came through his line. And so that's what he did. He went home and he had thoughts like, keep smiling. You are loved. You are amazing. I believe in you. You're braver than you think. You're smarter than you know. And he would, as customers would come through line, he'd put one of these in the bag and he would also smile and speak that into their life. And after a week or two of doing this, the manager came down one day and he noticed that this line, the, the line where Johnny was bagging was way past the frozen food aisle. And so he's like, man, I got to get more checkers up here. And so he calls and calls up a bunch of checkers. And then he goes back to the line and he says, you guys can jump on these other, these other lines. And every one of them said, nope. We want to hear Johnny give us the encouraging word for the day. And before they knew it, other departments were doing similar things. The flower department started giving away flowers, stems that were broken or flowers that were kind of not perfect and giving those away to people. The bakery was giving out cookies for those that would come into the store. And the customers that came in were filled with joy, simply because a young man with Down syndrome decided to make a difference in someone else's life. And he did it from the depths of his heart. And we know that great deeds come from the heart, and great deeds come from a heart filled with God's love, compassion, and hope. It doesn't take much to make a difference in someone's life. And once you show kindness to one person, it might just jump to another person and another person and another person. And guess what happens? You have community transformation, just like at this grocery store. In a similar way, we can create a ripple effect of transformation if we allow God to use us as his vessel. One small act of kindness in service can turn into a lasting legacy of love and faith for those around us. When we allow God to operate in our lives, amazing things can happen because God sees what kind of impact that your faith in action will produce. So are you guys ready to receive the call to be the example of Christ's love, hope, and help to those in need? Are you ready to put your faith in action today? As we said earlier, we all have something to give. We all have a gift, a love, a prayer, a passion, an ability, that is just waiting to burst out and bless the socks off of those around us. And some of us have been holding that gift in, maybe out of fear or maybe out of doubt that we have nothing to offer just like Johnny in our story. But God wants us to do something greater than we could ever imagine in our lives. And when we let that fire out, there's no telling where that can lead you and where that can lead your community. You see, we have the great honor to partner with Christ on this grand journey of loving our neighbor as ourselves. And when we do that, when we open up that gift that is inside of us, our world will be transformed. I'm gonna call the worship team back out here. They're gonna play one last song and my mom is actually gonna also come out and she's gonna be wearing um, tra- traditional native buckskin dress and she's gonna be sign lang- doing sign language for this last song. And you guys will be blessed by that. But I have a challenge for each and every one of you today, and it's this. So many of you guys jumped on a Serve Day team a couple weeks ago, and it was an amazing time of community transformation and blessing our community and blessing one another. And if you weren't on a team, you can still jump on one, or I'd encourage you guys to create your own team. But I want you guys to keep that going. I don't want it to be just a one-time event one Sunday morning. Keep serving, keep getting together with your teams. You guys could do a weekly or a monthly or a quarterly serve day project, but keep doing the work. I heard a story of a guy a couple weeks ago, he was on one of the serve day teams and they didn't quite finish their project that, that Sunday. And so he jumped up the next day and he went back and finished. And I think that's just awesome. You see, the work is never done until Christ calls us home. We have an exciting opportunity to take part in a plan that is so universal, so grand, and so amazing. And we get to live that out before Christ and before others. What an honor and a privilege Christ has given us to be able to be a part of the grandest journey, the most outstanding story that each of us will get to participate in. And I don't care how big of a budget Hollywood films have. And I love movies. One of my favorite movies is Lord of the Rings. And I think it's so epic and grand and its scope, but even that story pales in comparison to the epic journey and plan that each one of us get to be on, one that has global reach, universal impact and eternal outcomes. So don't let this opportunity blow past you in this life. As long as you guys have breath in your lungs and your heart is beating hard, you are a part of God's plan and his story. So my challenge to you is this, write your own epic story of community transformation and impact. A story that lasts beyond the ending credits and on into eternity. Leave a lasting legacy of love in your neighborhood, your community, your life and your faith will never be the same. So I'd like to end with a quick poem written by Mother Teresa titled, Anyway anyway what you spend years building someone could destroy overnight build anyway if you find serenity and happiness they may be jealous be happy anyway the good you do today people will often forget tomorrow but do good anyway give the world the best that you have and it may never be enough Give the world the best that you've got anyway. You see, in the final analysis, it is between you and your God. It was never between them and you anyway. Good works, healthy faith, transform lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for giving us an example of how we can transform not, on, not only our own life and our own faith, but we can transform our communities around us. Lord, we are so honored that you consider us. Lord, who are we that you are mindful of each and every one of us? We love you today, Father God, and we thank you for giving us this opportunity. Lord, we're still breathing. Our heart is still beating, and we can still make a difference. And we thank you, Father God, for giving us that opportunity today that we can grab it and run out into our communities and love and bless others. Lord God, they might not see Jesus any other way, but only through us. They might not know of your amazing love, your amazing gift of salvation and eternity. And so I pray, Father God, that each and every one of us today would grab hold of that passion for you, that passion for others, and make a difference in their lives this morning. We love you. We give you praise. We give you glory and honor for you are worthy to be praised. And it's in your awesome, mighty name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand and sing this last song. Thanks so much for listening to the Harvest Springs podcast. Our hope is that you hear the truth of God's word and that you are encouraged and challenged by it. If you would like to take your faith journey to the next level, check out the Getting Started Plan on our mobile app or our website, harvestsprings.com. The Getting Started Plan is a seven-day video-based teaching that will help you start your relationship with Jesus off in the right direction. And if there's anything that we can do to help, just fill out a connection card on our website or on the mobile app.